from the feature staff at the Columbus Dispatch. This is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every Thursday. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Assistant Features Editor at the Dispatch, and I'm feeling keenly aware of the value of time right now. Maybe because there's so much going on, there's just not enough time to take it all in. Like the Somali Cultural Festival, taking place Saturday at the Northland Performing Arts Center. What an amazing opportunity to learn more about the city's Somali immigrants, who make up the second largest concentration in the United States. Or, maybe my focus on time is because it's the relativity of time in science fiction. The Columbus Symphony will be offering Spaced Out, a sci-fi movie music spectacular, playing the time-traveling tunes of Back to the Future, and music from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away from, you know, Star Wars? At the moment, though, I'm thinking about time because it just might be running out on today's podcast, or at least that would be the case if this were a TED Talk. A local version of the annual TED conference, TEDx Columbus, is entering its 10th year, promising a host of speakers on a wide variety of innovative topics, each of whom is kept to a strict time limit. More than 800 people will gather at the Davidson Theater and the Rife Center Friday to hear them out. And while that's sold out, anyone can watch the speeches online. One of the event organizers and hosts, Megan Buren, is with me here today to explain what it's all about. Hi, Megan. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So why don't you start with a little overview of this year's event, which is the 10th for the city, right? Yes. So what can people expect? Well, it's going to be a very exciting day, I have to say. I'm personally excited about it. And what you can expect is, I think, what you can expect from most TEDx shows that we've put on in the past, and that is interesting ideas, things that will surprise you, things that you may not have thought of, you might disagree with, and hopefully open people's minds to new ideas. And what are the rules, and do we have to follow them for this podcast today? We do not have to follow them okay, for the podcast Okay, good. I was today, worried. But we do have pretty specific rules, and those come down from what we call affectionately Big Ted. Okay. Right? We are TEDx, which means we're an independently organized community event, and then there's Big Ted, which is the conference that happens annually in Canada at this point. And the rules for our TEDx are no longer than 18 minutes, no notes, no podium, and you can only share one idea. Wow, one idea. That's a lot to ask. It is. And actually, 18 minutes is a little bit long. We don't (laughs) generally let most of our speakers do that as well. But one idea is really what the audience wants to hear. And when you only have that short amount of time, it takes discipline to get down to that one idea. But it's really what makes those talks so impactful and lasting for the audience. Mm -hmm. So this year's theme is on the edge. Why did you choose that? And how is this reflected in some of this year's speakers? I don't choose it alone. We have a team of organizers and a curatorial committee that's involved in choosing that theme. And actually, because this is year 10, we took an extra step of celebration, but also in terms of hearing additional voices. And we invited all of our speakers that have spoken on the stage previously to a luncheon that was graciously hosted at the Columbus Foundation. And we spent time speaking about what do they want to hear about? What do they think the community should be thinking about? What are the topics we might consider and what might be a theme for this year? And so we took all of that information together and the curatorial committee worked and looked at it and thought on the edge was an interesting idea because you could take it in many directions. Right? It's an interesting time for all of us. And it's an interesting time here in Columbus. It could be on the edge of new scientific discoveries, 
something exhilarating, exciting, or it could be on the edge of Oblivion. Catastrophe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Oblivion. I don't think you'll get a lot of that from the stage. We have pretty inspirational ideas, but it could go in a lot of different directions. So a quick glance uh, at the pictures of this year's speakers makes it obvious that there's a lot of diversity in this year. How typical is that and how intentional is that, especially with this year's topic? It is typical for our events and it is intentional. And the way in which we achieve that is it starts with who's around the table curating the event. If everyone on the curatorial committee lived and worked in the same places and walked the same life that I do, we would generally find the same speakers and share a lot of the same opinions about them. It starts with being intentional about who sits around that table and encourages people to apply and to be nominated to speak at the event. And we're very intentional about that process. Who are some of the speakers this year? Can you give us a few highlights, maybe? Sure, I can give you a few. I don't want to give away all of the (laughs) the secrets that they'll share, but it ranges from a woman that helped a gay couple that she was friends with to start a family and that experience. For her, we have an economic historian who will talk about how redlining districts and green books impact the way in which the city fell into disrepair or parts of the city fell into disrepair and then are now being redeveloped and what that story means to the people that live there in the future for those areas. It runs from personal to professional to scientific and everything in between. And how do you find these speakers or how do they find you? We have an open nomination process and we put out months ago a call for nominations. There are certainly some ideas that we look for, right? I mentioned that luncheon that we had where there were ideas that people wanted to hear more about. So we think about who might be the right speaker in order to share that idea from the stage. And there are people that submit. And even if we go out and look for that idea, they still go through the entire nomination process. They have to submit a video. They have to write about their idea, share information. If we want to hear more about it or the committee has questions, we'll interview them again before making those decisions. It's a pretty exhaustive process. And this year we had more nominations than ever before. Is there a particular flavor to the event as it has evolved here in Columbus, maybe as compares to other cities? I was privileged actually to go to TED Fest in New York City, which is an organized. That sounds event. awesome. Yes, it was. It was just as awesome as that sounds. And it was an event where we watched as TEDx organizers from all over the world the live stream of the TED conference that year. I went last year. And so I can say that there are different venues, there are different ways in which. TEDx happens all over the world. At this point, there's well over 100,000 TEDx talks that have been created and shared online. And ours ours is different and unique, but I think what makes it the most special is that it is specific to Columbus. The decision was made by the founders, Ruth Milligan and Nancy Kramer and others years ago that we would not bring in ringers. We don't look for professional speakers. We don't recruit them. The people that are on this stage are either from Columbus, live in Columbus, have a significant connection to Columbus. And that's what makes it unique to our city and our ideas. And what do you think that it's accomplished over the last 10 years? It's interesting because going into year 10, it's one of the questions that we asked and one of the things that we asked previous speakers. 
it's hard to track, right? You open up a feather pillow and you shake it into the wind (laughs) and you're never going to be able to collect that idea back in a positive way. It's reached beyond what we can imagine. But there are certain things that we know have at least had their genesis in a way at TEDx Columbus. So Alex Bandar, who created the Columbus Idea Foundry, spoke about that from the stage. Nancy Kramer, one of our founders, as I mentioned, spoke about Free the Tampons, which is a tremendous and widespread movement at this point. There are ideas like that that have really started there. And there are connections that have been made between speakers that have created ideas and relationships that have impacted our city for years. Are there any ways in which it has fallen short, in your opinion? Things that you had hoped maybe that it would do or connections that you had hoped that it would make that maybe haven't quite worked out just yet? One of the areas that we want to look at in the future is how we reach further. There's only so many people that we can fit inside the Rife Center every year. And one of the things that we've done in order to to change that and to make sure that we share these ideas with a diverse audience and that we spread them as widely as possible is to fill the theater in the morning with high school students for free. It's one of the things that the ticket cost goes to support is being able to give that show for free to high school students. That's one of the ways in which we've tried to achieve that goal, but it's one of the things that we will also focus on going forward. The organizing team, Acacia Duncan, Kim Goldsmith, Jen Kearns, myself, and our founders, as I mentioned, are looking at how we achieve that in the next year in TEDx salons, which are smaller events that we can host as part of the license. And so we'll do that in partnership. They're smaller, cheaper, easier to access, shorter, and that'll be something that we'll look to this year. Okay. Now, you serve as an organizer and as a host Mm -hmm. of this TEDx. Have you ever given a TEDx talk? I have not given a TEDx talk. I know it's hard to tell these people to put themselves out there on the stage. But the reason that I haven't given a TEDx talk is because it is really about the idea. It's not the individual that wants to get up there and hold the microphone and hold the attention of an audience. It's the idea worth spreading, that piece that you want to share. And I don't think right now that I know what that idea would be. That was going to be my follow-up. It can't be that you don't have any ideas. I, I have ideas, but it really has to be something special and unique to that person that is worth spreading. We we are careful to not feature just a lot of personal stories, right? There's a place for that and it's wonderful to share those stories. But every person that comes on that stage is on there because they have a unique, new, individual idea. And that's what the audience is there to hear about. Mm -hmm. What are some of your favorite TEDx moments here in Columbus? It isn't specific to one speaker, but as someone who works as a coach with these individuals, I love to watch them when the applause starts and they walk off the stage And finally sigh that deep breath of relief because it's akin to watching your child take their first steps. (laughs) Not that I'm their parent, but they've worked so hard. It's not something as an adult, I think, once you get into a professional setting, these people are accomplished in their careers and you get used to what you're good at. This is an entirely different set of muscles that these folks have to flex. And they work so hard to fine-tune that idea, to practice, to work on the graphics. And when it finally comes to fruition and they get to share that with the audience and then the audience shares that appreciation back with them, it's all worth it. 
Can you take us a little bit behind the scenes on what it's like for some of these people who may be very, very accomplished in their part of the world? How nervous do they get? What's, I mean, it, can you share anything here? They do get nervous. <laughs> they absolutely do. And we put them through their paces, every single one of them, regardless of what their title is and what they do professionally. And they are nervous, but they, they work through it. And that's an exciting thing to see that type of commitment for them. There's a lot of jitters backstage. There's a lot of running around, getting ready for it. But they, they put in the time for months leading up to the event. TED speeches, both you know, locally and nationally and internationally, have become a great platform for ideas and speeches to go viral. Has there been one that you have seen, you know, one speech, one speaker that has really stuck with you that you couldn't get out of your head for a while? It could be on any level. So many, but I'll share that there are a couple from our stage that have actually gone viral in a different way because Big Ted has decided to feature those on their site. Everyone that gives a TEDx talk becomes part of the TED ecosystem online, right? So there's an official website and their talk gets preserved in that way. It can be searched on TED.com. Every once in a while, though, TED chooses from TEDx talks around the country, around the world, and has chosen a few of ours to be featured on their homepage. And when that happens, things really blow up. <laughs> so what were those? I I'd love to hear. Casey Brown was one of the ones that sticks with me. She was actually in the first round of speakers that I coached in 2015 for TEDx Women. And she gave a talk as a pricing expert, but how one of her lines, I believe, and I might be quoting this incorrectly, you can check online, but it was, no one will ever pay you what you're worth. They'll only ever pay you what you say you're worth. And in this day and age of salary gaps and really pushing for that type of equality, it is one of the messages that stuck with me. And even in my day-to-day -day life, I'll ask a babysitter, for example, you know, what do you charge? I can't tell you how many times people say, well, you know, whatever you think is okay. <laughs> and that's not something that we're necessarily training our children and particularly our girls to have those important conversations that sets them up for success later. What got you involved in TEDx in the first place? Ruth Milligan, <laughs> the grand connector of Columbus. She and I were working together on a few other projects and we worked together throughout the year. And her vision and Nancy Kramer's vision for this institution is what has made it as successful as it has been. And I'm a, a TED geek at this point. I joke that I... I've always been telling people what to do and how to say it and that I landed in the right job of being able to coach people to be their best selves from the stage and to share these consequential ideas. So I, I ended up in the right line of work. Now, the way you talk, it kind of makes Ted sound like a cult. You've got Big Ted. It's Ted Fest. Is, the, is it this big, you know, happy family that's come together for this? What's the culture like of Ted? It's an open and exciting, vibrant culture. It's dynamic, it's different, and it is an exciting thing. If there's a cult to be involved in, I'll, I'll take it, right? <laughs> when people ask, who's the audience? That's always where we start. Who's the audience for TED Talks? Obviously online, it's everyone with an internet connection that's interested in a million different ideas, but they're educated and curious, generally, is what you find 
in an audience at a TEDx event, and I'll be a member of that cult. (laughs) (laughs) So I know this week's event hasn't happened yet, but let's look forward for a moment. What do you have coming up? I know that there are even more things that people can look forward to, and that even though the main event is sold out, there's stuff, there are ways that people can take advantage of this. Yes, it is sold out, which is exciting. We want these people to have a full audience in order to benefit from the ideas and to spread them further. The night of the event, we're having a community celebration afterwards at Citizens Trust, which is above Veritas. Josh Dalton, who's the chef there, was one of our speakers in previous years. So that's exciting that we'll be able to celebrate together after the event and to really launch year 10. It's not a small thing that TEDx Columbus has happened continuously for 10 years. It's unique to TEDx's around the world. And it was started in Columbus the very first year that licenses were available. And so that'll be one of the things that we'll be, we'll be doing together in celebration. And then look out for events throughout year 10 to celebrate that anniversary. Like I mentioned, TEDx salons that will pop up around town and other firsts. You never know what's coming. We were the first TEDx that we know of to ever have a resident of a prison speak from the TEDx Columbus stage outside of a prison. Their TEDx is organized inside of prisons at this point. And an ecosystem has really developed around it, around town with TEDx Ohio State University and Hilliard and Whitehall and so many others, New Albany. And that's exciting that it goes beyond just what we can fit in the Rife Center once a year. Outstanding. Well, we can't wait to find out what great big ideas come out of it this year. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614.